Hello and welcome to On the Lamb with Mark Fenton, the music podcast you didn't realize you needed. Welcome, welcome. This is the first ever premiere episode of a program about music, for music, with music, without music. We're going to try to cover it all. Every week we'll be exploring a new topic. Latest trends. We'll focus on music topics from the past. One-hit wonders. Songs that should have been hits but weren't. Uh, We'll take deep dives into the history of music, where it came from, and how we got here. It's all part of the big music adventure, and it's part of being on the lamb with Mark Fenton. I'm Mark Fenton, and I'm your host and guide. For a musical journey that starts back when I was a child and I attended my first rock concert in Central Park when I was in third grade. A friend's father, who thought he was being cool and hip, got tickets for a bunch of us to go see Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. In Central Park. As far as I know, Central Park was not a safe place to be in back in the 70s unless you were attending a concert, getting in and getting out. I have no real specific memories of that concert, but for the fact that I attended it. Now, I was raised in a home without rock and roll. I had to find it on my own. My parents were wonderful, loving people, but my dad was a couple of generations older than me, and his passion was classical music and occasional show tunes, some jazz that that, uh, my mom tried to share with him, and I tried to share with him as I discovered jazz on my own. The next concert I remember was, wait for it, Chicago. By then I was a few years older. I was around 11. And uh, naturally, my friend's parents had to drive us across the Hudson River from Dobbs Ferry to Rockland County, the Rockland County Community College, in order to see Chicago. Now, Chicago may not be the hippest band, the coolest band, but when I was 11, I had a bunch of the records, and I had the greatest hits. Say what you want, but 
Saturday in the Park is a pretty great song. From Chicago, I went to Boston. No, I didn't go to see. I never saw Boston, the band Boston, although I was a fan. Even today, if you hear the song More Than a Feeling, it just sounds great. The same friend whose father took us to see Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, a guy named Joe Zimelis, who I don't think I've seen since shortly after that concert. He, he moved away uh, and uh, just vanished, as far as I know. I've checked him out on Facebook every now and then. Just, you know, curiosity leads you in, in that direction. Okay, so after Chicago, the next big concert I got to see was Cheap Trick. Yes, Cheap Trick. 13 years old, we lived in a different time when we got to be latchkey kids. You tell your parents, I'm going out for the night. We're going to see a concert in the city, and then I'll be sleeping over at so-and-so's house. And your parents said, okay, have fun. And they wouldn't see you for about 24 hours. And you could get into all sorts of mischief. Uh, but Cheap Trick was a formative concert. That was something that had an enormous impact on my life, my taste in music, um, everything that came afterwards. It was pretty crazy. I know I saw The Pretenders on their second album a few years later. And I remember that was pretty exciting. It was at the same venue, what was a legendary venue at the time, the Palladium, that now as I look outside the window of my apartment, I can see is a dormitory that's part of NYU. Yeah, it's a sad thing when a classic venue gets demolished and turned upside down. I also saw Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes at the Palladium. And I remember having a really good time at that concert. Southside Johnny, I think, was trying legitimately to ride Bruce Springsteen's coattails a little bit. He had Steve Van Zandt producing his albums. And, uh, you know, it's maybe a Northeast New York, New Jersey thing. But but I, I thought those guys were great. I saw him about five years ago. He did a free concert at a barbecue festival in my neighborhood. And uh, poor guy's voice was shot. But, you know... He had some good backup vocalists, and they could put over the songs. It was a lot of fun. He was still working, still making a living. That's all you can hope for in this crazy music business. So I saw Southside, Pretenders, and just so many concerts back then. It's all kind of a blur. I remember being excited because I, I had tickets to go see the cars with Nick Lowe, one of my all-time favorite artists, opening. And uh, we had to put the kibosh on that because 
there was something called AFS when I was in high school and America Field Service, and we would do exchanges within the United States. And after I bought the tickets, the group that I was a part of, AFS, scheduled an exchange that took us to Boston that weekend. So I never got to see the cars. I got to see the cars many years later, obviously when, when Rick Ocasek was, was still around. And, and uh, Ben Orr had passed away. But they, like so many bands, recorded a, a reunion record just for the sake of it. And as coincidence would have it, my son was friends at the time with one of Rick's kids, Rick Ocasek, the leader of the car's kids, and, and uh, we got comped. Um, and my son's friendship with Rick's kid just, you know, went by the wayside eventually. And, and, that, and, that, and that was probably the last, one of the last times we, we saw Rick and, and his son. And uh, as I recall, it was fun, but I remember hearing that the Cars were not the liveliest live band. You know, Rick didn't move around a lot on stage. And it was true when I, when I saw them at, at uh, not the Hammerstein Ball, Roseland, Roseland, yeah. Um, I miss Roseland. That was one of the better venues in the city. That was demolished, like the Palladium, uh, to be replaced by some office building. If you see the neighborhood up in Midtown, there are so many office buildings, and they're so ugly. But I digress. I got to admit that there's a lot of blurriness in high school. I know I went to see some concerts, probably a lot of concerts. But one thing that stands out, actually, by the time I, I left high school and went to college, one of the coolest experiences I had, I went to SUNY Albany. And my freshman year, the fall, it was a cool fall day, there was a free outdoor concert that was not as well attended as it should have been by the original Blasters. We're looking... I'm dating myself for back in the 80s when the Blasters you know, were a group and relevant. And um, I, I, I just wish I could relive that moment. I mean, I do it in my head from time to time. But uh, that was a really special time. The nice thing about going to school in Albany was that there were always bands coming through. Um, I saw Billy Idol there. And I remember him putting on a pretty good show. It was around the Rebel Yell album. Um, I saw Black Flag with Henry Rollins. That was actually the night, freezing, freezing cold night in Albany. And I w was wearing, I wore a pea coat uh, to take the, the university bus from the downtown campus where I lived to the uptown main campus where they were performing. And I had my pea coat, and the way it worked is they had a coat rack outside the, bo the ballroom where they were performing. And y the idea was that you put your coat on the rack before you went inside. It made sense. I came out, and somebody had stolen my pea coat. 
that's the memory I have of seeing Black Flag. I remember the concert vaguely being pretty good, um, but but my beloved, obviously irreplaceable because they don't have any other peacoats anywhere else. Um, being gone forever, gone forever. Saw the Bangles up at up at college. Saw the Dead Milkmen. Um, Actually, I think I won tickets to see the Bengals from the college radio station. We had a really great college radio station. It was during the 80s, you know, and there's a lot of great alternative music being made. And I learned so much from my college radio station. And it was my college radio station. I remember when I went back a few years ago to listen to it. And I expected it to sound exactly the way it did back many years ago when I was there, and I wa was disappointed, though I shouldn't have been <laughs> surprised that they were playing so, mu so much hip-hop. Um, hip-hop's good, but I don't want to hear all the time. And the station had evolved the way the rest of the music world had evolved. It had become a different place. So the, the highlight climax of my college concert experience was my freshman year and this isn't to say that I didn't have good experiences after that but my freshman year U2 was right on the verge of breaking out they had been booked into SUNY Albany months before the album War came out and they had to honor their contractual obligation and it was the, the week before the week after they were on Saturday Night Live that's how fast and intense their rise was as a result of, of war the album War it, it was really a remarkable remarkable experience uh, but to see them live, to see them in, you know, at, at, at the beginning of, of their stardom, you know, when everybody didn't know who they were, or they weren't playing arenas and stadiums, that, that was a real special experience. Uh, a guy named Robert Hazard was on the bill. And I want to say David Johansson, but I couldn't say 100%. Oh, the other thing I did in freshman year, I know I'm hopping around a little bit, was uh, go up to Buffalo, where uh, one of my best buddies was going to college, to see The Who at RFK Stadium. I believe it was in Buffalo. I mean, it was definitely Buffalo. I think it's RFK Stadium. With... One of my all-time favorite bands opening, The Clash. It's it's sort of funny. You know, there were there were things that happened while I was growing up, concerts that took place. That that in hindsight, you know, when I was young, I would ask myself, why didn't I go to see that concert? Um, you know, what, what was I crazy? Like another an example of that is Bruce Springsteen. You know, did the historic week of shows at the bottom line in 1975 
you know, that, that was around the same time that he was on the cover of Time and Newsweek simultaneously, which was a big deal. Now print isn't a big deal, but but magazines back at back in that time were were really important. And so Bruce Bruce did a, a week of shows, or maybe not a week, but a lot of shows at the bottom line that were legendary as far as I heard. And and for years, you know, during my teens and into my twenties, I would always say, How could I miss that? How could I possibly miss that concert? And then I reminded myself, you were 10 years old. That's not something a 10-year-old suburban kid got around to doing. There were a couple of other shows like that where, where you know, I would say, you had the opportunity and you didn't seize it. And then I would have to remind myself again, well, you're... You were like eight when they did that concert. So you it really wouldn't have worked out for you anyway. You got to see Chicago in the suburbs. Well, listen, guys, this has been a fun first show, a fun launch for On the Lamb with Mark Fenton. Thank you for spending some time with me, On the Lamb. We're going to keep doing this try to do it every week talk about my experiences with music my experiences in the music industry where I spent some time some of the people I got to meet uh, some of the, the good stuff the bad stuff actually actually this is what I wanted to share in the first episode uh, then we can wrap things up so, so I had I had an opportunity to see Cheap Trick and it was a, a formative experience and then about a dozen years later, I had what, what ended up being my dream job at Epic Records, the record company. And uh, I, I was just starting out there uh, in my 20s. And by, by that time, Cheap Trick had, had grown out of the, that rock sound they were making. And they had moved on to power ballads. I think the producer was he Richie. Richie Zito, maybe? At any rate, um, the publicist for the band under whom I served at my first job knew that I, w I was a diehard Cheap Trick fan. And she brought them around the office so I could meet them. And, you know, they said hi, they were courteous, whatever, but they, they had... had a punk attitude that would have been more charming to me back when I was 13 but when I was 25 after the publicist introduced me to them as their number one fan Rick Nielsen the, the legendary guitarist the goofball is walking around the office with, with uh, beer in his hand you know a little bit of a rock and roll cliche, not, not too much. And uh, after they they meet a couple other people in the office, he st stops on his way out, fl flips me the bird, and says, "Hey, number one fan, see you. Great meeting you." Completely sarcastic. And I couldn't believe that somebody 
who by then was probably co close to to 40 was behaving in such a juvenile way not not to sound judgmental or anything but he definitely went dropped down a notch or two in the course of that moment and that gesture which isn't to say that I don't still love Cheap Trick but I can't help but listen to them and think about Rick Nielsen flipping me the bird so that's it guys more stories more conversations about music rock and roll uh r&b we'll do some reggae get into some hip-hop we're going to try to touch all the bases and uh i would love to have people involved you know um i have a twitter account set up uh at mark fenton oh i'm sorry at on the lamb with mf and then my uh, gmail account is on the lamb with mark at gmail.com so let, let's try to get a dialogue going a conversation uh, we can have some fun we can talk to one another i'll answer questions try to answer questions engage everybody but i want this to be a really you know great experience a fun experience because if there's no music in your life, what kind of a life is it? I say, because music is everything. Almost everything. So until next time, until next we meet, have a great week or so, and listen to plenty of music, and drop me a line. Tell me what you're, you're digging and what you're listening to. Until next time, I bid you all well.